This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. All right, chapter two is all about efficiency. Now, I, I kind of open this up with an example that I got from Don Blanton, and the example is this idea of club versus swing. Now, imagine you're playing golf, and you could have the very best club of any any golfer. Like, think about it. You could have the I don't even know what the best club is, maybe like a you know Callaway or Titleist or whatever. So you can have the very best club, or you could have the very best swing of your favorite golfer. Which would you choose? Now, you would choose the swing in a heartbeat because we, if you've played golf or if you played any kind of sport, you realize that there's a process like that, that you can get a nice club and, and still be a terrible golfer. Like, trust me, I know. Uh, and so I like this, this example is really beautiful because a lot of people are out there pitching products. At the end of the day, the and asset itself, like that's, I'm going to be sharing with you where I think you should put your money. But I'm intentionally talking about the process first because this is way more important than having the best product. Like no matter what product you have, this this truly, truly matters. Is understanding the swing is far more important than the product. Um, I'm going to go off script. I've already gone off script, but Robert Kiyosaki goes into this idea of there's no such thing as a bad investment. There's just bad investors. I want you to think about that because someone might come to me and be like, hey, real estate's terrible investment. Well, okay, like there's a lot of billionaires and millionaires that have made their money because of real estate. But if you're going to ask me, is real estate a good investment? I can't answer that because I don't know because uh, it all depends on, you know, you. And so that's that's the first thing. And, and so it's really getting clear on this idea of club versus swing. We have to focus on the swing. Now, the other example that I that I use, and I actually got this from my friends in Birmingham, Russ and Joey, is this idea of gas mileage. Now, when you go and shop for a car and you look at the sticker, there's like city, city mileage and highway mileage. And, and most often, I would I would say across the board, the highway mileage is a lot like you get way more, you know, bang for your buck. So as far as like, you know, let's say it's 20, 20 miles per hour highway, like you have 20 miles to the gallon highway and 15 city. Why is that? Well, it's because highway is being more efficient. You're, you're actually going faster. You're like getting getting to where you need to go faster, but you're not stopping and starting. And most people with their wealth, with their life are, are literally, think about you driving from New York to California. And instead of going straight, you're going through every little city on the way. That's how most people are doing. Like that's how most people are thinking and handling with their money. And that's just another example of we need to be super efficient. Now, I'm going to bring, I'm going to name drop Warren Buffett because Warren Buffett has two rules to investing. Rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is listen to rule number one. Now, when we think about efficiency or inefficiency or our goal is efficiency, but we're going to now talk about the inefficiencies that you have. So many people are losing money. You're either losing money that you don't even know or you're like like you're risking your money or doing something with your money that's that there occurs a, a loss. Now there's two phrases that I want to introduce to you and and again I've learned this from I I first got I learned this from Don Blanton but I I've learned this from so many people like and and when you think about these two phrases like I want this to be ingrained because again if all you do is like if you like listen to this and be like I can't stand this guy well at least you're going to leave with some valuable valuable insights. The first thing is a wealth transfer. Now, a wealth transfer is any time you transfer wealth away. Warren Buffett's number one rule, don't lose money. Number two, listen to rule number one. Any time you transfer wealth away, 
that there's that's bad, right? And so we want to uncover all the potential wealth transfers in your life. By the way, it could be that you're a spender, that you can't hold on to money, but it could be other things that you don't even you don't even think that matter that much. But we're always like we're always on this pursuit of like there well, let me say this another way. There's always things going after our money to try to transfer it away. Now, the second phrase that I want you to write down is opportunity cost. So wealth transfers when you lose that dollar. But opportunity cost is what that dollar could have been worth over your lifetime. For instance, if opportunity cost, by you listening to this, you are unable to do something else. I mean, you might be walking or running or whatever, you're working out or um, in the car. But by you listening to this, you are not able to listen to something else or do something else. That's a that's an example of opportunity cost. Uh, wealth opportunity cost is whenever you transfer money away, good or bad. By the way, this could be awesome, right? But whenever you make a financial decision whether you know about it or it's a loss, there's consequences to that decision. Another way to say that is a dollar lost today is never able to earn for you ever again. When you lose a dollar, that dollar is never able to grow for you again. The reason I feel like a broken record is this is super, super important. We have to understand that every financial decision, every decision we make in our life has a consequence. And we just got to own that. And so the the four, the, I'm going to kind of go into a couple examples of us being inefficient. And, and the first one is investment loss. And in that, like every, man, like so many people are risking their money. And Todd Langford was the one that pointed this out to me. He said, Caleb, like when, when people are transferring or taking risks, we think, when we think like higher risk, we think of higher reward. Like you may have even finished my sentence. Like, oh, like the higher risk, the higher reward. Well, the a definition of risk is your chance of loss. So let's re- reverse engineer that. Your greater chance for loss is your greater reward. Like why in the world? Like, and another, and another Pete, I'm like all over the place. I apologize. But uh, what some people will say is, oh, you're young. So you can, you can afford to take a bigger risk. Seriously. Does that even make sense? Like, should we, like, what does Warren Buffett say? Don't lose money. And yet we're like all over this place. And we, we assume that a greater risk comes with a greater reward. But if you really track backtrack to the wealthy, the people that are creating wealth, they're not necessarily just risking their money. They're, they're taking calculated steps and they're profiting because of it. So I, I first, the first deal is we have to sacrifice this idea of um, taking risks to get a reward. The other thing that I'm going to mention in this is this idea of average versus actual. Now, when we say like, oh, the S&P over the next over 30 years averaged 12 percent or in my in my book, I later have a, over a 19 year time period. The S&P averaged over 8 percent. But the actual rate of return could be very different. The, an extreme example of this is if you have one hundred dollars and you give me one hundred percent. OK, so so I take your hundred dollars. I make one hundred percent because I'm amazing. Right. And that hundred dollars goes to two hundred. OK, so now you have two hundred dollars. Now, the next year, I, I'm less amazing and I lose 50 percent. So now your two hundred dollars goes back down to one hundred. Well, here's the deal. We just averaged you 25 percent, 100 percent. 50%, 50 divided by 2, 25%. That's just math. But the actual rate of return was zero. How can that be? Well, it happens all the time. And we just have to understand like the actual rate of return. It's far more important because that's that's actually what matters. The second thing that I want to talk about is fees. Now, I, I would say this. There are a lot of people that get crushed with fees. And some people have given me feedback and they're like, Caleb, reading your book, like you talk about this 2% fee. And the reason I do that is like there, there are many people paying more than 2% fees. Maybe not stated, but like when you add up 
all the kind of fees. Like I'm talking, I'm talking about your advisor that you're paying the mutual funds, what they cost, like the, the administrative fees, like each fund has people that are running it. Like you're like, there's a reason wall street's profiting. How do you think they're profiting? Like you're not, not just your advisors getting paid, but other people are figuring out how to get paid. So there's, there's a lot of fees. Now in all, all honesty, there, there's people that are paying a less than 2% fee. The purpose of this is to just prove a point. And I pretty much break this down and, and talk about the damaging effects of a 2% fee. I mean, oh my goodness, like there are so many problems with with fees and, and how it just totally erodes our money. If you think of just like a 2% fee on an 8% gain, you know, you could lose anywhere from 25 to 50% of your growth. And it, you know, it just can take so much time to double. And, and it's just like, we just have to be we just have to understand that a 2% fee, think about it like you're putting your money in a bucket and there's holes in the bucket. And the idea is, okay, that fee might be the wealth transfer, but the opportunity cost is that money's never able to grow for you ever again. I skipped around, so I missed taxes. Taxes is uh, before fees, but we'll just say it's number three, is the tax loss. And what's interesting is this. In 1913, there was, a, there was a, you know, this idea of temporary tax that was proposed to never exceed 7%. And I hope you're laughing because we're paying a lot more than 7% now. And while 1913, they, they just thought, you know, let's, let's, you know, just throw this out there and, and see what happens. We have been entitled and addicted to this idea of income tax. And the, the one thing I just, I want to point out a couple things. Number one is I believe wholeheartedly that this could be the biggest wealth transfer that we experience in our country is, is due to taxes. So that's, that's like, just highlight that because um, just every time you pay an unnecessary tax now or in the future, you're not just paying consequences now, but it's what that dollar could have earned you the rest of your life. The other thing I want to talk about is the threshold and tax bracket. So we all, we always like to talk about, oh, like I'm in this bracket or I'm in this bracket or I'm not in the highest bracket. And it's important that we understand brackets, but it's also important that like, yeah, not only can we change the tax rate up and down, but we can also change the the threshold. For example, I'm just going to be super, super basic. Let's say a million dollars was in the top tax rate. So if you're making more than a million dollars, now some of your income's earning or having you have to pay out the top, top taxes. Now, the government doesn't necessarily have to raise the rates to earn money. They could just drop that threshold down to 500000 So now anything above 500000 now you have to pay that, that top tax. So those are two examples that, that we need to be aware of. And the crazy thing is, if you look at where our country's at, it's kind of depressing. And I just, I'm just throwing this out there because this is a really big thing that when I was writing this book and, you know, learning from amazing experts, I'm realizing that very few people are, are, you know, making decisions with their money with the realization that taxes could go way up. And so I just believe uh, in that wholeheartedly. And, and I think we also have to understand the difference between a tax deferred account versus like a taxable or tax-free account, like tax deferred accounts. What that really is, is you're not taking responsibility of tax today and you're postponing it to an unknown future. Like, I want that to sink in. Like taxes, they, you might think they're high now, but let me, like, if we look at historically, historical rates, they're not high. And what you're doing is you're giving up total control over your money. And you're hoping that the taxes are going to be less. You're hoping that you're going to make less money and that taxes aren't going to raise and the threshold's not going to raise. And I just, I just want to ask you, like, I think that's, that's 
could be a very inefficient way to not only use your money today, but, you know, save or invest your money for the future. So understand that tax deferred accounts, these are 401ks, IRAs, anything that gives you a, a benefit today, there's a cost in the future that the scary thing is you don't know what that cost really is. So that's uh, my, my two cents on taxes. I just want to add this idea of wealth transfer due to use. So there's four, okay? I, I in my book, I talk about me you know, buying my first car. It was 2011 Ford Fusion. I still have it to this day, actually. And this car was, you know, a great car. It was super reliable. And I thought I was a rock star because I paid cash for it. Like I did what everyone said I should do, right? I saved up money and I paid cash for it. But in, in the process of like learning all this stuff about money, I realized that, that that Ford Fusion actually cost me a lot more than what I think I paid like $10,000 for it. It actually cost me a lot more than $10,000. Because that $10,000 that I paid cash for it will never earn for me ever again. So it's one thing like, yes, you lose your money due to market losses or you, you lose your money due to fees or you lose your money due to taxes. Like none of us want to pay those things. But realize our greatest financial need is using money. And, and even, I mean, it's math is unemotional. It doesn't matter if you lose it via loss or you use it, that money's no longer able to grow for you. So we just have to understand that. And then we also have to understand that most financial planners, most financial strategies will say that compound interest is such an amazing thing, but they like, you're using your money. You're literally killing the goose that's laying the golden egg. And I think also that's problematic. So I just, again, want to throw that out there. Like it could be, you could be using your money very inefficiently and there could be better ways to be efficient. And the reason I'm saying all this stuff is when I start talking about the solution, like I want you to go back to every single one of these because um, I didn't just come to a a simple conclusion. Like this was a, this was a journey and a process of me understanding how money works. And, and so that's kind of why I'm doing this audible or audio edition. So then I go on to the club. So we talked about the process. We talked about, you know, opportunity costs. We talked about wealth transfer. Every time you transfer money away, regardless if it's if it's a loss, you pay an unnecessary tax fee or use it. You don't just lose that dollar. You lose what that dollar could have earned the rest of your life. Remember, opportunity cost is such an important thing. But now we're going to talk about you know, in this section, okay, where you put your money. And this is really key because I'm going to give you 16 ideal benefits that need to go into wherever you put your money, whether you think my book and solution is amazing or not, like these are the things that you need to start considering as it relates to how we use our money or where we put our money. So I'm going to go through the six benefits, 16 benefits. I'm going to try to explain it, but I also know that um, I can't spend two hours explaining it, which I very easily could. So the first benefit is safety. You don't want your money to suffer any losses. Benefit number two is liquidity. Uh, liquidity pretty much means that you have your money is accessible for not only emergencies, but opportunities. So for each one of these, these benefits, I want you to in your head, or as you're listening to this, maybe you're writing this down and start rating, like how important is this benefit to me? Because again, we're all, we all love rate of return, but rate of return is just one out of the 16 benefits. So number one, safety. Number two, liquidity. Number three is growth. Okay. Rate of return. We want our money to multiply. This is important. What value do you put on the growth of your money. Number four is leverageable. We want to be able to leverage our money. This is what I'm going to get into this later, but being able to leverage our money is really, really key. Number five is inflation protection. You know, this is this is something that in an ideal in, investment, or an ideal place that we put our money, our money won't be eroded by inflation. Uh, number six is guarantees. What's the value of having your money like guaranteed to be there and guaranteed to grow? Number seven, free of fees. 
We just talked about the damaging effects of fees. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could put your money in a place that had zero fees? Number eight, free regulation. Your money uh, is not restricted in any way. How awesome would that be? Number nine, flexible. You you can fund this account whenever it works for you. So especially if you're an entrepreneur or if you're someone that has seen the ups and downs of life, we want to make sure that there's flexibility built into anything that we put our money in. Number 10, requires minimal time. This may or may not be a big value for you. But for me, this is like, I don't want something that I have to actively manage every day. I want something in this ideal world. It's, it gives me all these things and I don't have to put much time into it. Passive cash flow goes back to Robert Kiyosaki's definition of um, having your money come in without you having to work for it. Number 12, private. Your money will grow without any restrictions and it's also creditor protection. So think about this. What's the value of having your money off the radar of creditors to go and steal your money or sue you for money. There's some value there. Number 13 is protection. And think about this. What if there's an account that actually protected you, like kind of had this insurance kind of benefit of like, listen, like if something happens to you, like there's going to be some protection aspects. How valuable would that be? And then we're going to get into 14, 15, and 16 are all tax benefit. So the first 14 is tax deductible, meaning if you put money into this account, your money gets uh, you get a deduction, you get a benefit, you get to write that off of your of paying taxes. No, that's a benefit. So, so what's the value of, of getting to deduct your money this year for your taxes? Number fifteen is having tax free growth. That means once your money's in that account, your money will grow the rest of your life without paying taxes. That's that's a benefit. And number sixteen, tax free distribution, or I'm going to add tax free use. What's the benefit of being able to use your money in the future with not paying taxes? Whether taxes go up, double, whatever you're not affected by that. And again, these are 16 benefits. I encourage you to get the book or, or figure, like write these down because whatever decision you make with your money, like understand that there's more than just rate of return or more than just one benefit. Like our money is three dimensional. Think about our money being, well, it could be 16 dimensional. I don't even know how that looks like, but it's, it's, it's not just a, a simple, this is what you do with your money. And you're going to notice the, in my verbiage, I talk a lot about maximize because I think, again, I want people to just maximize everything. Like I want you to, I want you to win so badly. I want you, I want you with your time and your money to just maximize and, and squeeze all the benefits out, as many benefits as you can to get the result that you want to get. I want to finish this, this uh, efficiency chapter with this idea of, you know, this kind of painful picture of you trying to get to where you want to go. So let's, let's say this, you have clarity on where you want to go and you're in a car you're in like your favorite car and you're like pressing metal pedal to the metal, but you're also your other foot's on the brake. Yeah. It's a painful picture. And that's what a lot of people are doing with their life. That's what a lot of people are doing with their money. They know exactly where they want to go. And that's awesome. That's like the first, first big thing. But then they're like being inefficient and that inefficiency showing up like you stomping on the brake while you're trying to get ahead. And that, that word picture is really what I just want to like, let you know that any any unnecessary wealth transfer has a cost to it and that cost it will cost you now but it'll also cost you in the future so let's make sure that we commit to efficiency that's it's just a really really important shit section so it, it was long thank you for listening but chapter two is all about maximizing optimizing the efficiency in your life Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.